We're on a, a series of songs for summer, and we're really going through the, some of the Psalms in the Old Testament, which really are just songs. It's what the church and the people of God have been using as their hymn book, songs that express every human emotion and all kinds of questions about God. They're songs for all occasions, all times. And so we thought we'll go through them in the summer, at least some of them anyway. And so what, what do we, when we sing these, when we use these, when we read these, when the writer was writing these, what was he saying? How did he want us to understand God or know ourselves better? And how did the Psalms sing God's song over us? And so this morning we're going to look at uh, Psalm 139, and I, I've just called it God and me, or, or God and us. How, how does God view us? What is God's connection with us? And so I want us to, to jump straight in and we're, we're just going to read some verses and then make some comments and then read some more. And this will be a familiar, familiar psalm to many of us, but it's, it's beautiful. One of my favorite passages of scripture as we hear uh, a songwriter express uh, himself to God. So let's begin just at uh, verse one. Words are on the screen. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Let's just pause there. Now, when I was, when I was a kid and I was in Sunday school, um, I, I don't know whether it was just me or, or whether it was uh, the things that were said, but, but sometimes I got the feeling that God had a careful, watchful eye on me in case I tripped up or did something wrong, and God was watching me for all the reasons of kind of, I'm just going to keep an eye on him. My eye is always on him because he's trouble. Now, maybe that says more about me and my childhood than anything else. But there were times where I thought that was God's perspective. And so if I had read these verses then, I might have looked at it and thought, yeah, God's always watching. That's the kind of God he is. Always watching to see when we fall over, trip up, don't do things the way we should. And perhaps when we read these, or if you're not familiar with these words or this psalm, that may be what you begin to sense. Oh my goodness, God is watching me. What's he watching me for? What has he seen? What have I done? As if God was there solely to check up whether you were living the way you should. That somehow God is there waiting to judge because of what you have or have not done. Now, there's some things in, when we come across Scripture where God does speak about the fact that there is the need for a judgment or a judgment to come. But in these verse, these are words that speak of the God of comfort who sees us and knows us and knows what's going on in the depths of our heart and our minds. This is the God of comfort. This is the God who sees you. God sees you. And not in the way that you might think. But he sees you. He takes note of you now. We see this all the way through Scripture. I was reminded of the story of Hagar in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 12. Hagar was a slave girl. Abraham and Sarah were her slave owners. 
And Hagar was badly treated. She was used. She was abused. In, in many ways, it's, it's a tragic story of an individual who sensed no value because of the way that they had been treated. And she decides that she will no longer stay, and so she runs into the wilderness to escape. She flees to the desert. And in the fleeing into the wilderness, that is where God meets her. That's where God sees her, meets her, speaks to her. God sees us. And so in Genesis 16, 13, we read these words. I think they're on the screen. And she, Hagar, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, the, the Hebrews El Roy. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. It's a beautiful verse in the Bible. That, that in all her pain and sorrow and difficulty, what she discovered was, God sees me. God has taken notice of me. And if you look into the New Testament and the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus is one of stopping and seeing people who otherwise feel as if they have not been seen. They go unnoticed. Nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. I'm insignificant. I'm hidden. I want to tell you this morning that all the way through Scripture, we encounter a God who sees us. And he sees us with a heart of comfort and love. And so this morning, if perhaps you think, well, nobody sees me. I'm hidden. God doesn't know what I go through. I want you to know that as the psalmist wrote this, it's true for him. And as we've discovered it true for ourselves, for you, I want to say God sees you. And he sees you with eyes of love. I have now seen the one who sees me. And so in the New Testament, we have the woman at the well, John 14, kept at the outside of society, but Jesus sees her. We have the, the blind man who was begging in the streets before you get to Jericho, kept on the outside. What does Jesus do? He sees him and he stops. Or to Zacchaeus, who has to climb a tree so that he can see over the crowd because he's the most unpopular character in the, in the town. Jesus sees him. I want you to know that if you think nobody sees you and God has no place for you, God sees you. He sees you when you sit and when you rise. He perceives your thoughts from afar. He discerns your going out, your lying down. He's familiar with all your, all your ways. And even before a word is on your tongue, he knows it. God sees you. Let's read on. Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light, is as light to you. God sees you and God surrounds you. These verses are verses of God's presence. He surrounds us. He surrounds you. He surrounds 
me. Um, I, I was at a, uh, an event during the week where they had an escape room. I don't know if you've seen these or any of you tried them, where uh, you, got to, you go into a room, you have all kinds of tasks that you have to do, you're locked in the room, and until you do all the tasks and find you know, some kind of code or whatever it is, you can't get back out again. Now, now, they assure me that if you get to the end of time, they will let you out. So. But it, it's this idea of needing to escape, having to escape, how quickly can you escape? In our lives, there are times where that is the kind of approach we have to life. How can I escape? Sometimes it's an, an escape from a circumstance or a situation that we're in. And, and what we're trying to work out is, how can I escape from this? Places we run to. Or the places we find ourselves because we've tried to escape. Sometimes we end up in places that we never thought we would because we wanted to escape from what was happening. We couldn't face or deal with it. And so we find ways of escaping from it. It's even possible that some of us feel as if that there are times where we've even tried to escape from God. For whatever reason, sometimes, it's, sometimes in, in our lives we, we find that if we speak to God about it, it makes it all real. And so we remain silent so we can keep it unreal. A quiet secret. But our escape to where? And to what? And, and at times we find ourselves in places we never imagined as we try to escape whatever it is. But God surrounds you wherever we are. The places we find ourselves in, the places we never thought we'd get to, God is there also. Whether it's places that feel like darkness, whether it's places that we've tried to escape from darkness, and we, we, even to the very ends of the earth, even there, even the worst places of our life and our history, God is there. In uh, 1999, my, my father passed away, and in one of the cards that were sent to us, this, some of these verses were quoted, verse 10 in particular. Uh, verse 9 says, If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold, hold me fast. And it was that word, even there. In, in the places, the worst places of our life, whether it's been in the place of loss, whether that's of somebody else, or, or of circumstances, or of a job, or, or whatever it might be, those worst places of life, or these places where we've tried to run to, even there. I remember when that card came through thinking to myself, yep, even here God is present. In 2012, um, our own family went through something similar. I was diagnosed with cancer. And, and I remember my, telling my mum and my mum in that moment, after we'd shared a tear together, she said to me, Ian, do you remember this passage of scripture? Even there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Folks, I, I don't know what your even there place is. But even there, God surrounds you. God knows you and God surrounds you. And he's there waiting for you to turn to him. Even there, God surrounds you. God sees you, God surrounds you. Let's read on. Verse 13. 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God sees you. God surrounds you. This one, God knows you. God knows you. I came across a book this week. I've not read the book, but I came across it as I was preparing. It's called, What Do You Think You Are? The Science of What Makes You, You. Now, this is a a book about how we are made up, the the chemistry, the biology, uh, all the atoms and uh, all the kind of elements that make us matter, the the physical form that we have. Now, I'm not a scientist, so I've taken some notes here. Um, It's to do with the electrons, that's the electrical particles, the protons, the neutrons, the chemicals, the elements that make up the physical nature of our body, the matter. And uh, in this, it was really interesting. He, He asked this question, how much is your body worth? And what he decided to do was in an average sized and shaped body, I don't know what an average sized and shaped body is, is he went through all the chemicals and all the elements that make up your body and uh, uh, he kind of worked out how much that would be in terms of weight or size or whatever it was. And then he went to the market for those particular things. So for instance, there's a lot of hydrogen apparently in our our body. Did you know that? I I don't really know anything about this. And so you can buy and sell hydrogen on the market. And so this is what he did for every part of the human body that makes up the physicality of our body. Anyone want to guess how much the human body was worth when he did that exercise? So, so in, in his book, he says it, it used to be eight pounds, but that, he said that, that was greatly underestimated. Anyone got a suggestion? He said about 125 pounds. Is that it? Is that what I'm worth? 125 quid. Now, he wasn't writing from any kind of... Uh, spiritual perspective but I thought is that really what we are you are not just matter chemicals particles atoms you matter there's a huge difference we are not just made of matter but you matter God knows you God knew you before you were conceived not just that you were knit together in your mother's womb and he saw you. But even when you were made in the secret place, woven in the depths of the earth, even before you were conceived, God knew you and the thought of you was too good not to make. You matter. God knows you. From the depths of the earth, he saw my unformed body. God knows you and you matter. You're not just a consequence of 
chromosomes and chemistry, not an accident, not a mistake. God knew you, God knows you, and wanted you to be, because you matter. God knows you. This morning we've dedicated little Ella, recognizing her as a gift from God, the God who knew her from before, who knows her now and for all eternity. Friends, you matter. God knows you even from the depths of the earth, from before you were even conceived. God knows you. God sees you. God surrounds you. God knows you. You matter. Then these verses, verse 19, if only you, God, now it changes here. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Well, that's a bit of a change of pace right there, isn't it? All this recognizing of the God who sees and, and surrounds and, and knows. And then there's this great splurging of what feels a bit venomous language here of all the stuff that this guy hates. What is going on here? Well, I want to say God hears you. And one of the things I love about the Psalms is their honesty. Honest people writing honest things about what they feel in their heart. Even as children of God. And there's quite a bit of vengeance here. It's kind of like him, smite them, almighty smiter, from that kind of Bruce Almighty film where Bruce is found in a place saying, smite me, almighty smiter. It's almost that kind of idea. But that our worst thoughts about ourselves, others, the world, even God, God hears us. And sometimes we have to get what's inside out and pour out our hearts to God. We looked at that just a few weeks ago. Actually, God looks for our honest prayer. What really is going on within us? Because God hears you. God hears you. We, we read earlier on, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it. God knows what's in our heart. He invites us to speak it out. For our good, not for his, because he already knows what's in it. But he wants you to speak. The invitation to talk is for our benefit. He already knows. It's for your good that prayer is essential. God already knows. He hears you. Talking to myself, that's what we call worry. Talking to God is what we call prayer. And it's for our benefit that we pray because God already knows. And in that speaking out to God, in that talking to him as he listens and hears, we put out so that God can fill in. We said that two weeks ago. When I was uh, 18 years of old, just before my 19th birthday, a friend of mine, uh, it's, it's a long story, but I, I was meant to get a lift home in a car one night. And I decided that I would get a taxi. And so a friend of mine took my place in the car. And on, on their way home, uh, there was a crash. And the guy who took my place went, was badly injured and went into a coma. 
I hadn't really, I, I, would be this, I wasn't anywhere near God at this time. Very much alienated for him. Didn't want anything to do with him, really. But I found myself beginning to take what was in my heart about what had happened. And, and for some reason, I started to direct it towards God. Maybe that's what we do in a crisis. And for six weeks, I began this conversation with God. Now, sadly, my friend never recovered, and I, I can't explain that, even to this day. But there was something in the beginning to speak out my innermost heart and feelings that I began to meet God. And even after the funeral, I, I, I couldn't stop talking to God. We'd started a conversation which ended up being something that brought for me healing at a time where I had no understanding and still have no understanding, but there was something that God did within because speaking out is for my benefit. God already knows what is on my heart. And that conversation that began in crisis and trauma and despair and confusion and misunderstanding, no understanding, suddenly became a relationship with God that would culminate in a faith moment for me when I would call out to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. God hears you. The speaking out, the praying is for our benefit. He already knows what's on our heart. So call out to him. Call out to him. God sees you. God surrounds you. God knows you. God hears you. And in his hearing you and you speaking, a relationship begins to emerge with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we'll come to Jesus and he'll begin to do things in our life that we need, that we didn't even know we needed. And then these last verses, having had all of this splurge about what was in his heart, about everybody else, we read these verses. But search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God sees you, God surrounds you, God knows you, God hears you, and God wants to lead you. God wants to lead you into his good and everlasting ways. And it's almost like getting everything out for this songwriter brings him to a new place. And that's a theme in the series that we've spoken about. As we get things out, God leads us into a new place and he starts to pray for himself. Now I want to say that it is not, it is not selfish to pray for yourself. It's good to pray for yourself. I have to pray for myself all the time. It's not that somehow we should pray for everyone else and that's holy. We must pray for ourselves. Sometimes I have to pray for myself before I can pray for others. It is not selfish to pray. And, and, and it's as if the songwriter is led to pray, okay, now, Lord, me. I've blurted out all this stuff about everyone else, but Lord, what about my heart? What's in me? What's going on in me? Praying for God to show us, to reveal to us, to search us, to help us. Lord, what's going on in me? Lord, I need you. And then inviting God to show us that better way. God wants to lead us. This is not a distant relationship with God. He's up here, there, we're down here, and, and never the two shall meet. 
God surrounds us and wants to lead us in this new and everlasting way. And so the psalmist begins to say, Lord, would you show me for my own life what's going on in me? What needs to change? What's good? One of the most beautiful moments in, in my life with God was, was in, a, a, in a, a, a period of, of silence for me where God showed me both what needed to change but also what was good. He said, Ian, your heart is good. But maybe this little thing here. But your heart is good. But maybe this little thing here. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, come and show me and lead me in the good and everlasting way that is best for me. Inviting God to show us the way of his everlasting love. Today, tomorrow, forever. Lord, search me. And see if there is any offensive way within me. Because I, I don't want that to be the case. So that you can lead me in the way everlasting. And that way everlasting is the way of his everlasting love. You know, God sees us. God surrounds us, God knows us, he hears us, he leads us because he loves us. And the way everlasting is the deeper way into his everlasting love. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, we read this. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Do you know what amazes me? God sees me, God surrounds me, God knows me, God hears me, God leads me. And knowing all this stuff, he still loves me. Sees what I do when I sit and when I rise. Knows my thoughts, my anxious heart, the things that I might think, the stuff that's within me. And he still wants to lead me in the way of his everlasting love. Some of us may be here this morning and thinking, yeah, it's precisely because God sees me and God surrounds me and God knows me and God hears me that probably he wants nothing to do with me. I want to say it's the exact opposite. That in spite of all of that, God is still the God who sees and surrounds and knows and hears and wants to lead you in the way everlasting. This is our God. God in me, God in you. It's an invitation to turn to this God in Jesus and to know that you're seen, you're surrounded, you're known, you matter, you're heard. And now it's time for you to let God lead. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up.